by the powers of the spirits of the East, who bring light, humor, and clarity, we call to the witches. By the powers of the spirits of the South, who bring protection, passion, and courage, we call to the witches. By the powers of the spirits of the West, who bring harmony, strength, and healing, we call to the witches. By the powers of the spirits of the North, who bring abundance, growth, and peace, we call to the witches. Desert Jen and Obsidia Musette Sage, here to share our knowledge with you on all things witchcraft. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Crones of the Wild Wastelands. Hail and welcome to Crones of the Wild Wasteland. Today you've got Crone, an offspring of the Wild Wasteland. Desert Jen is still on sabbatical, so you've got me, Obsidian Mazette Sage, and my kids as my guest co-hosts today. My daughter, Pan, is here with her husband, Dimitri. They're going to help me continue our Beginner Witch series. Yep, we're going to talk about the history of the witches and the Wheel of the Year on this episode. We've got a great show for you. Yeah, so get ready, because we're going to school you on where you come from and how to celebrate your heritage. But first, Obsidia, do we have a tarot card for today? Uh, yeah, actually we do. I pulled this card from my Elemental Power deck. That seems to be my favorite decks lately. I just really connect with it really well. Today's uh, card was the Seven of Wands, which is all about challenge. Life is challenging right now, because... We're on the cusp of spring. We're so desperate for new growth and new beginnings that we may find ourselves pushing a little too hard for this season to arrive. You know, we may be kind of ticked off that spring is not coming as fast as we'd like it to be, at least not in our area. I mean, I've been pretty upset about it. Yeah, we all have. But instead of pushing and pushing and pushing, maybe we should just kind of retreat a little bit and let the goddess bring spring to us naturally. You know, let the seasons happen as they're supposed to happen. Yeah. You know. It's not just us. Spring isn't coming elsewhere. I saw a TikTok earlier where it's been 40 degrees in Florida. Dang. Okay, so it's not just us. Well, that's kind of that's good to know. <laughs> At least we're not the only ones suffering, right? Exactly. It's all because the groundhog died on the day he was supposed to see its shadow. <laughs> so, let's, let's kind of let spring come as it comes. But right, for right now, we're going to dive right into the history of the witches, I'm going to read to you the first paragraph of the entry for the topic of witchcraft that I found in the Encyclopedia Britannica. And I found this at Britannica.com. Witchcraft, traditionally the exercise or invocation of alleged supernatural powers to control people or events, practices typically involving sorcery or magic. Although defined differently in disparate historical and cultural contexts, witchcraft has often been seen, especially in the West, as the work of crones, who meet secretly at night, indulging cannibalism and orgiastic rites with the devil or Satan, and perform black magic. That's what I do every night, guys. I'm a crone. I meet with, you know, the devil every night. I and knew And we do it. all kinds of cannibalism, and we have orgies. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to becoming a crone myself so I can join you. Right? I mean, you know, I just want to jump off the roof during Halloween. <laughs> so, to continue, witchcraft thus defines... Thus defined, exists more in the imagination of contemporaries than in any objective reality. 
Yet the stereotype has a long history and has constituted for many cultures a viable explanation of evil in the world. The intensity of these beliefs is best represented by the European witch hunts of the 14th to 18th centuries, but witchcraft is associated and its associated ideas are never far from the surface of popular consciousness and, sustained by folk tales, finds explicit focus from time to time in popular television films and in fiction. So basically what that is saying is that witchcraft is a bunch of phony baloney and that it just basically explains evil and it's not giving any credence to the fact that witchcraft is real at all. That's almost as bad as people saying it was founded in 1894 by a nudist. Right, right. My goodness. So yeah, it's, I mean, it specifically says it's in the imagination of contemporaries and it's not an objective reality. There's no objective proof that that it exists. There's no realistic proof that witchcraft exists. Which, you know, I guess you could kind of see it that way because you could say that a witch did a spell and XYZ happened. And the person that is disagreeing with you could say, well, XYZ happened because of maybe the weather or something. You know, find a coincidence that occurred and that doesn't believe that the witch affected the change. Right. To but, be fair, there's no proof that Christianity exists either. There's no proof in God or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. Nobody knows who actually wrote the Bible. I mean, come on. It could have been just some guy who's, you know. I mean, religion is religion. You have your belief system. You have have and you have faith in your religion. That doesn't mean any religion is real or fake. So, technically, if it exists within a different plane, does that mean that all people that practice it could technically exist in a different plane? I would think so. Because if that's the case, I would love to be multidimensional. You know, that would be super cool. Have you ever astral astral projected? Not willingly. I will have to teach you how to do that, son. I will have to teach you how to do that. Because then you can go to a different plane. And it's actually kind of super cool. Astral projection freaks me out. I'm good. <laughs> I've done it. I go to my happy place on purpose. There's been a couple of times where I've gone other places not on purpose, and I've brought things with me, back with me that I should not have. But that's when I was a very new witch and I didn't know much about protection and all that kind of kind of thing. So now that I know more about it, I'm more willing to explore. A lot of times I end up falling asleep before I do that. So we'll have to try it. We'll have to do it together. Yeah, because I, I did it like once when I was sleeping and I got really freaked out because I saw myself laying there mm-hmm. and it was a whole little experience and I ended up waking up thinking it was a nightmare, even right. though it was too real to seem fake. Right. All right. You guys we're off the top. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Back, back on topic. So early witches practiced witchcraft. They used spells and called upon spirits to effect change. But many thought to be pagans were practicing the devil's work. Right. These were just simply natural healers. They were actually called wise women, whose profession at the time was misunderstood. So these were the women that lived on the edge of town in their little cottages, and they had their gardens full of herbs and all that stuff. And you went to them for healing. And you went to them and said, hey, the boy is sick, or... I had a miscarriage or I don't want to have a miscarriage or my husband is not doing well. And and you didn't know what your ailment was because they didn't have modern medicine to diagnose it. 
But they, they all, it was all the kind of the same things over and over, and the wise women, the healers, knew how to fix that. They knew how to heal that. That's fair, especially because I'm assuming they had lots of years of experience. They did. They were crones, and they did have lots of... And they had, they, they had younger women that they were teaching their craft to, to take their place when they were gone. So, right. yeah. But witchcraft was often thought to be a way of summoning spirits and demons to do harm to others. It was not seen as a good thing. Right. The first documentation of witches in the Bible between 931 BC and 721 BC, the story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. And in the other Old Testament verses, there are, they also condemn witches, such as Exodus twenty two eighteen, "Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live," which is basically saying that witches are evil and they're suffering because they're witches and they should die. Right. It actually means by "thou not suffer," it means you should not suffer because of a witch. So you shall not suffer. So kill the witch. And that's the most famous, 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 famous propaganda ever put forth against witches. I was gonna say, I'm like, that sounds like most a famous lot by of- Christians. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. But yeah, it's the most one of the most famous quotes that Christians use against witches. I could imagine. Okay, so there's also Homer's Odyssey in 800 BC, in which the witch Cirque turns men. Cersei. It's Circe. Okay, the witch Circe turns men into animals. Do you remember that part of the Odyssey, Odyssey Pan? Do you remember that part? Vaguely. They go, they go to the island and they turn the men, she turns the men into like pigs and guinea pigs, guinea pigs. Remember? Yes, I remember. Yeah. It's my favorite part of the whole story, truthfully. <laughs> yep. And that was one of the earliest mentions of witches in Greek mythology. Plutarch in 100 AD. Treatise on superstition, illicit magic, and sorcery against Roman law. So that was the Romans condemning witchcraft. Oh, lovely. And that was the beginning of the Christians, the the modern era of Christians after Christ, condemning witchcraft. That makes complete sense. And here's some more Greek stuff. So in modern times, archaeologists have found what's called, and I'm probably going to butcher this because I didn't look up how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Cateres which are ancient, ancient Greek curse tablets, and it actually means curses that bind tight. Um, they're focused mainly on sporting competitions or legal contests, which were the two most important things That's to, very the, true. to the Greeks. You know, sporting competitions were huge, and then legal issues, I'm sure, were the next big thing. They were found in graves and wells and fountains where it was thought that the dead could best do their magic. So, yeah, they, they would put these uh, curse tablets there, and they were sent set to be made by witches to put these curse tablets there. So it's kind of like a worse version of a binding spell. Yeah, kind of. Okay. It's, it's witchcraft. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a binding spell. Yeah. Okay, well, in the mid-1400s in Europe, the witch hysteria began. Ooh! Oh my god, she's a witch! We gotta burn her! Oh my god! Run! Get your, get your torches and pitchforks! Hide your daughters! Right. <laughs> But in 1486, Malleus Malficurum, the Hammer of the Witches, was written by the by, was written by two well-respected Germans. They spurred witch mania, and they got they wrote a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. And for more than a hundred year, years, that 
book sold more copies than the Bible itself. Is that kind of scary? Yeah, it is. But kind of terrifying. I'm kind of curious as to how you would interrogate a witch back then, because I'm pretty sure they would just go up to you and go, you're a witch, sorry about it, we're not going to kill you. So you haven't seen any of the documentaries about witch about witchcraft Salem or anything like that, they would torture. Interrogations were torture. Oh. So they'd pull out their fingernails. They, they had, like, stuff like the rack. You know what the oh, rack yeah, is, Oh, right? yeah, of course. Or they had things like, um, one of the ones that I saw that was terrifying to me was they would put their hand in, like, a vice and just tighten the vice. Oh, yeah. And tighten the vice and tighten the vice that. until you confessed. If you didn't confess, you had a smushed hand. Oh, one torture tactic that I know of that I believe was used in older days is they would take things like wood splinters and push them under your toenails. Yeah. My least favorite is the bamboo shoots. That's what I think she's talking about, bamboo shoots. I think those were Chinese or or Asian type torture They were. I'm not sure if they used them in Europe in the New World. Um, But Europe in the New York, think of medieval torture devices. That's what we're thinking about. You know, that kind of stuff. Think of the but, princess, I mean, um, the princess bride. Think of the torture in the princess bride. But instead of torture, they called it interrogation, and they would not take no for an answer. They would interrogate until you confessed, or they would kill you while interrogating you. Right. They did not take no for an answer. Well, witches that were accused and confessed under torture of all types of wicked behavior... Witch hunts became very common. They were thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. See, we went over that with the crones, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because we're all just really horny for the devil. Right. (laughs) See, we would all... This is what we do, okay? We'd get a place like Stonehenge. We'd get like a circle of stones, something like Stonehenge, out in the woods, get a clearing and out in the woods, and we all get naked and circle around the stones and sing and dance. And then the devil would show up and we'd sing and dance and have orgies and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then when it was all over, we'd fall over on the ground because we were spent. Ah. And then we'd get dressed and go home. That's fair. And you would you would invite women of the town and say, come dance with us. And then you would influence this woman. And you bring her in and you influence her and you get her all wrapped up in the witchcraft, and then she, you know, goes home to her husband, and then she leaves her husband to be crone or whatever, and it just turns into, like, this big old mess. So you just, that's what we did. That's what we did. And it, I thought it would be pretty fun until you got caught. That's fair. I mean, I think it'd be pretty fun, too. Yeah, and more on that. Single women, widows, and women on the margins of society were the ones who were targeted. I want to be that witch that lives in the cottage. Right. And But those who were accused, accused and confessed, or just accused in general, they were burned at the stake or hung. Those were the main methods of execution. Yeah, I don't want to do that. You know, I would think if they had ways of medieval torture, one of them would have been killed by a guillotine. Yeah, that was more of a French thing. I think they saved that more for, like, I think that was later on. It was okay. either earlier, I think... It was either earlier or later on. It was either way early or way late. Yeah, Yeah, I believe it was later on because I know that there were kings in England that were beheaded by. But it could have been earlier than that too. That's true. But I think I think it was later on. I think you're right. But if I I was was that witch in the cottage, could I invite little children in and cook them in my oven? I would assume so. That would be kind of cool. We're not Hansel and Gretel here. But it's funny because you know Germany is part of Europe, and that's a German story. Hmm. Hmm. So maybe I'm German. I'm part German. Hey, I mean, can I do it? 
every fable does have a grain of truth to it. That is so, true, especially the uh, the brothers that did this. The Grimm brothers. The Grimm brothers, yes, the Grimm brothers, especially them. They they had all their fairy tales built in truth. But oh, yeah. anyway, Ken, you were telling us about the ones that were targeted. What about the ones between fifteen hundred and sixteen sixty? Um, in that in those times, the population believed that the witchcraft was a way to explain sudden and Ill, unexpected ill fortune. For example, the death of a child, or a bad harvest season, or sudden death of cattle. So anything that was considered like a random unexpected ill fortune was believed to be caused by witchcraft. And because of that 80,000 people were suspected witches and they were put to death in Europe during those times. Yeah, my research says that that was like a high, high estimation. Yeah, I could imagine. I believe that Germany had the highest rate of execution. Yeah, it did. It did, for sure. And on the flip side, Ireland had the lowest rate of executions. Well, it's because everybody's happy in Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. But it rains a lot there, so you, I don't know. Well, there's lots of green grass, the sun shines, it's, you know. I would helps, like to go there. Helps with depression. I guess, yeah. So, the last witch trials were held in Leicester in 1717. And in 1736, the English Parliament passed an act that repealed laws against witchcraft, and they imposed fines on people who claimed to use magical powers instead. So, I guess that's that's progress. Yeah, I'd much rather be slapped with a fine than drowned. But if you didn't pay your fine, you know where you went? Mm. Debtor's prison. That's fair. So you, still got, you still went to prison if you couldn't pay your fine. But I'd rather go to prison for not paying a fine than be tortured for being a witch. Exactly. So. Compromise. Yeah. Let's talk about the New World. Alright, so in the New World in the 1600s in Windsor, Connecticut... Ailes Young was the first person convicted of witchcraft in America. In America, there was 46 accused and 11 executed. No, that that wasn't in America. That was just in Connecticut. Oh, just in Connecticut. That's yeah, interesting. Connecticut. That's good to know. So between 1626 and 1730 in Virginia, there were 24 accusations. Grace Sherwood was um, actually done with the famous water test. She was famous for this. They bound her arms and legs and they threw her into the water. And they said if she sank, she was innocent. And if she floated, she was a witch. But that's not the end of the story. Everybody assumed that she drowned. Either way. That or and that they would if she floated, they killed her because she was a witch. They did not. They really? only put her in prison for eight years. That's it. I guess Virginians are really nice. So, if you're lucky enough to survive drowning and not be killed after, then you're just imprisoned? Till... The witches, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for eight the, years. Yeah, she floated, and then they put her in prison for eight years, but there was no executions in Virginia. Nope, they never executed any witches in Virginia. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't that cool? So, for the famous Salem Witch Trials, witch hysteria died down in England, but it grew in the colonies. It began with lovely Elizabeth Paris, who was only nine years old, and Abigail Williams, who was eleven. They began suffering from fits of body contortions and uncontrolled screaming. Like that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Today it was believed that they were poisoned by a fungus that caused spasms and delusions. Is that like LSD? I believe so. Like the, or like the mushrooms that, you know... Yeah. That everybody's taken now in microdoses? Mm-hmm. Maybe, okay. I'm going to stay it's away from that. It's sold at dispensaries and yeah. stuff now? I'm going to stay away from those. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't think they sell hard drugs at dispensaries. 
I, that's kind of illegal. They don't sell illicit drugs. No, but if you use them in microdoses and stuff like that. They still don't sell them. It's illicit drugs. What? Okay. Okay, let's argue with that later. So anyway, continue. Yes. So more young women showed symptoms. There was three women accused of witchcraft. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and... Tatuba, who was a slave. Yes, Tatuba. Tatuba confessed and accused others. Yeah, so she started pointing fingers around town. That one, and that one, and that one. And people believed her because she was a witch. She talked to the devil, and she knew who the other ones were. Well, why would she do that? You know, I'm not sure what her motivation was. I think because they tortured it out of her. Because that was another interrogation that they did was, tell us who else is a witch. Mm-hmm. So they torture you until you named other witches. They could have also bribed her. Maybe they told her, if you tell us who the other witches are, we won't kill you. No, it's pre- I'm pretty sure it was because they tortured. Because I'm pretty sure from my research now and from my research when I was in school, it's because they tortured her. They weren't nice enough to bribe. Mm, they that's really fair. weren't. They, they tortured. Well, if they thought you were in cahoots with the devil, maybe they thought that bribing you wasn't really worth it. Probably not. All right, well, anyway, on June 10th in in 1692, Bridget Bishop was the first witch executed. She was hung at the Salem Gallows. That's a very hauntingly beautiful name. But ultimately, 150 people were accused of witchcraft and 18 were executed. But interestingly enough, it was not just women who were accused and executed. Six men were convicted and executed for witchcraft. Wow. Something, the way it all kind of ended was from a guy I really like, Ben Franklin. He um, wrote a satirical article about a witch trial that was going on in New Jersey. And he just, he made it out to the ridiculousness of some witchcraft, witchcraft accusations. Like he just came out and said it, that everybody was thinking it. He came out and said it, this is stupid. So, not long after that, people kind of took his lead and ran with it, and the witch hysteria in the New World died down. That's fair. Thank goodness, finally, right? Exactly. Um, so, some modern persecutions is that executions still occur in Papua New Guinea. Episodes of witch violence in Africa, South America, Middle East, and immigrant community- communities in Europe and USA. And we got the majority of the research we shared with you today from history.com, so you know you're getting legit information. So that's it for the history of witchcraft. I kept it kind of short. I didn't want to go into a lot of detail, and there is a lot of detail. Don't get me wrong. So now we're going to move on to the Wheel of the Year, and the Wheel of the Year is how we celebrate our lives throughout the year. So the holidays of a witch, of the witches, are called Sabbaths. And most of you know that the full moons are called Espets. The holidays are called Sabbaths, and these are what we celebrate on the Wheel of the Year. Well, the Wheel of the Year has eight Sabbaths, and they are representations of the different seasons throughout the year. And there are certain things to ask for or intentions for each time of the year. For example, winter is a time of reflection. It's also time for hibernation and looking inwards towards yourself, looking past and looking at the past and learning from it, and then contemplating what you'd like to do with your future. Springtime is, like we talked about in the card of the day, new beginnings, new growth, abundance, fertility, um, setting in motion new goals and intentions and ideas into our lives. The summer gives us the longest days of the year, which gives you more time to accomplish tasks. It's also more time to relax and think about what could come to completion and the rich harvest that's to come. Autumn happens to allow us to reap our benefits. 
it's time to harvest harvest and be able to see the fruits of our labors and what we have nurtured. It's also a time to evaluate and recognize seeds that we planted in spring. And this could be metaphorically within yourself or a true harvest season. That's right, right. So if you have an orchard or if you have a cornfield, it's time for the harvest. Or even a flower field, per se. Right. Yeah, whatever whatever kind of harvest you have, or if it's, you know, if you've been working on yourself and you set your goals for, for autumn, now it's time to evaluate that and see if you've met your goals. So, the pagan holidays um, represent our cycles of life throughout the year. Like we talked about, they mark the start of the seasons. Then there's also, that, and that's four of the of the sabbats then there's four other sabbats that mark the midway points between the seasons the wheel of the year has roots going all the way back to the celts and the germanic pagans there's no real answer to where it started or ended you know nobody really knows where it came from and there's no real answer to where you know does it start on yule or does it start on Samhain or you know some people think that um Samhain is the witch's new year and other people think that yule is the witch's new year so nobody's real real clear on that I have a question for you, Obsidia. Yeah. Those midway points between the seasons, what are those called? Oh, well, there's two. The solstices are the um, longest and shortest days of the year. And then the equinoxes are the days when the light and the dark are of equal time. The Sabbaths come mainly from Celtic and Germanic rituals. There are holidays with Celtic origins. What are those holidays, Dimitri? One of them happens to be Imbolc. There's also Beltane, Lunasa, and then Samhain. But there are also holidays that happen to have Germanic origins instead of Sidia. Oh, those would be Yule, Astara, Litha, and Mabin. Um, it's unclear how the eight were melded together to become the Wheel of the Gear. Um, not quite sure. The lesser Sabbaths are the equinoxes and the solstices. So, like we talked about, um, they're also called sun sabbats. They're based on the position of the sun. Yule, Asara, Litha, and Mabon are all based on the position of the sun. So you've got Yule and Asara, which are the equinox. Nope, that's wrong. So you've got Yule and Litha, which are the shortest day and the longest day of the year. Then you've got Asara and Mabon, which is when the light is the same time as the dark. Okay. When the day and the night are equal. Yes. Yeah, what she said. That's fair. Okay. And then you have the greater Sabbaths, which are the fire festivals that are in between the solstices and equinoxes. Those four Sabbaths are Imbolc, Beltane, Lunaza, and Samhain. And sometimes Samhain is also um, celebrated on Dark Moon. Really? Yep. Hmm. What is a Dark Moon? Dark Moon is um, right before the new moon. Dark oh, okay. Moon, yeah. When there's like no moon in the sky, basically? Right. It's So you have the, the waning... And then it comes in, there's nothing in the sky at all. And then the new moon starts. So, yeah. That okay. makes sense. So, one of the eight Sabbaths happens to be Yule. It's normally celebrated on December 20th through the 23rd. It is the winter solstice. It happens to be the longest night of the year, which I think is pretty awesome. And it is for preparation for the upcoming cold months and reminding oneself of warmth and life-giving source of the sun and fire. One of my favorite things personally that happens to be with Yule is way back when, when witches still celebrated this on like a grander scale than we do now, there was the Yule wheel 
which they would set aflame and roll down a giant hill. And I think that is the coolest thing ever. And I want one. <laughs> Another tradition with Yule is that trees would be decorated with foods that would thrive during the cold months. And that would represent the continual growth in life that happens through winter. Right. And as everybody pretty much has an inkling about, the Yule was the basis for the Christian Christmas. The Christian Christmas comes from has traditions that come from Yule. Uh, like mistletoe and the Yule Log. Uh, the Yule Log is said to banish evil spirits and bring good luck. So I imagine hmm. what the that big flaming wheel is probably supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if evil spirits were it's trying kinda, to get to you... There's a lot of you, evil spirits to be banishing. Exactly, but I feel like if evil spirits were to get to you and they just saw a burning wheel coming at them, they probably wouldn't want to come up anymore. Yeah, but Yule is the perfect time to banish spirits too because it's right before the start of a new year. Right, that's very and true. Brand new. And then our next soul, or Sabbath, sorry, our next Sabbath is Imbolc. Imbolc is on February 2nd, and it's halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And the Gaelic translation of Imbolc is in the belly. Sheep first began to give milk again, meaning that they were pregnant, hence the term in the belly. Imbolc is all about the celebration of the promise of the return of spring. The crops and animals are blessed to ensure an abundant year that all would be healthy and that new life would spring forth soon. Brigid is honored on this holiday and they represent fertility and they also happen to represent the conversion to Christianity in Ireland. Where she became Saint Brigid. Very right. True. Missionaries incorporated traditional pagan customs into Christian customs. One of the things that I do, I try to do, I try to remember on um, in bulk. Not so great at it, but I try. One of the one of the traditions that you can do on in bulk for Brigid is if you take a scarf that you would wear or whatever, and you tie it outside on on the eve of Brigid, and you leave it outside all night long. Brigid is sent to come and bless it, give you her spirit, and when you Go get it in the morning. You wear that scarf on you to bring her blessing and protection. Really? And I did this. Remember that blue scarf I always had on my purse for like the longest time? That's the scarf I had blessed. I had Brigid blessed for me on, on in bulk. Another hmm. way you could use that scarf if you're not into wearing it or carrying it on your purse like you did is you could also tie it on your door for protection like the bells we talked about. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. Ostara happens to be sometime in March. I'm assuming the 19th to the 22nd-ish. It is the spring equinox, and the days are just becoming warmer and longer because we're heading into spring. It also happens to be the celebration of fertility, which happens to be represented by the hair and the eggs. This is reigned over, I want to say, by the Germanic goddess, Oster, and it was transformed by the Christians into Easter, which converted more pagan traditions. Right, right. So the hair and the eggs, guess what? You got your Easter bunny and your Easter eggs. Right. Go figure, right? There's a quite a few Christian holidays that are based on pagan traditions. It's kind of sad to see. Like, the, the parallels between It's not the two. sad, though, only because we influenced the Christians. That's not sad. True. The main reason they did that was to convert the pagans. And in order to have the pagans slide right into Christianity, they 
They <laughs> Dimitri's playing with his lip piercings, and it really tripped me up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, they in order to get the the uh, Christians or the pagans to slide right into Christianity, they made their holidays around the same time and the same basis, so that way it was easier for the pagans to just convert and not have any issues. So instead of Easter being about a stare, they did the hare and the eggs of Benny Rabbit, and the Easter Rabbit and the eggs, but they made it about Jesus's. They, they knew they had to make it about Jesus, but they wanted to have some traditions from the pagans to kind of like meld together so the pagans wouldn't put up too much of a fight, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but they took all the cool things, like they did the burning the, wheel. Yeah, they took it out. Yeah, they did. They took a lot out, but hey. And you know, the one I'm really bummed that they took away was Beltane. That's fair. But hey, we got Beltane. That's true. In the divorce, we got Beltane. So yeah, that's we did. awesome. Beltane is travel. Beltane is celebrated on May 1st, and the translation is from the Celtic god Bel, and it is the Gaelic word Tain, which means fire. It's halfway between the spring equinox and the sol- summer solstice. It's when spring is in full bloom, and it's a celebration of fertility. It is a time to give thanks and gratitude. We have lots of bonfires. There's flower crowns. There's a maypole. People are hand fasting at this time. It's also a time when the veil is thin. Not as thin as Samhain, but the veil is thin. And when we're talking about hand fasting and belting, it's also a time when people are getting naked and having their little, you know, well, yeah, having their fun at the bonfire. Yes, right. more, more orgies with the devil. That's right. Yes. That's what we're doing exactly orgies around a fire this time yes but now we have flower crowns and maples involved those are always fun yes exactly always fun well the next sabbath is litha which is midsummer it's between june 19th to the 23rd and it's the summer solstice which is the longest day of the year you have a sister born in midsummer right my older sister was born on june 23rd and she's a spitfire just like midsummer right uh litha is the celebration of the harvest. And we celebrate that with bonfires and torchlight processions and rituals to encourage the sun because the sun's power will start to wane. Engagements are announced at this time. Blessings are made for a full, abundant crop in the coming harvest. Yeah, That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Now, midsummer can be a really good time because summer is starting. It's a good kickoff to the summer. It's kind of fun. We have Lunaza. Yes. Lunaza starts on, uh, Lunaza is on August 1st. So named for Lu, the Celtic god of light, Lu's mother, Teltu, cleared We all assembled on that one. Yeah, we did. Cleared the lands of Ireland to prepare for planting of crops. Midway point between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox, fun fact, the first harvest of grains and fruits, and they happen to celebrate their harvest and give gratitude. This is also when a lot of couples happen to marry. The couples that got engaged at Midsummer. Yes. They marry at Manaza. So Mabin is one of my um, favorite holidays only because it's very close to my birthday. So that's September 21st to the 24th. And it's also my favorite time of year. Just my favorite time of year. I love autumn. And this is the autumn equinox. It's a celebration of the arrival of fall. It's when you reap your harvest, uh, you're celebrating abundance, the fruits of your labor that you put in throughout the year, and it prepares you for winter. Hmm. So, you know, it's a good time. It's a good time to just, you know, gather what you've done for throughout the year, you know, start maybe thinking about, you know, like we talked about, reflect on what you've done, gather things up, start yes. getting ready, yes. you know, taking in your harvest. It's a good time. 
and looking at the pretty leaves oh, as they change my color. Favorite. That's one of my favorites, too. Right. And the next Sabbath is Samhain, which is October 31st to November 1st. It's commonly known as Halloween, but uh, it is one of the most important festivals, and because the veil is at its thinnest, and it is time for honoring past family, friends, and familiars. So the jack-o'-lanterns that you see carved on Samhain are to light the way for the past souls to come through. Hmm. And the thin veil that happens on Samhain is between the living and the dead, and it's a very magical time. So things that you can do for Samhain is ask for guidance and help and clear away negativity and start the new year in a positive light. Some, some rituals that we've had for Samhain. We've honored our ancestors. Yes. It's always a good way to, to do a Samhain ritual. You get some pictures, or if you happen to have a cremated ancestor, you can bring their urn out. Um, there's also the meal that you leave for your ancestors. You actually set the table, and you serve them a meal, the meal for the dead. There's there's all kinds of Samhain traditions. It's our favorite. It's, it's all the witches' favorite. It, oh, right? yeah. It's, well, it's because it's a time where a lot of witches get to reconnect with family members of the past, even if it's just a feeling. Right. And it's a great, great, great time for divination. Remember that time we were all here, all of our group was here, and I pulled out my demon tarot. Yes. yes. And I pulled a demon card for each one of us, and they were spot on. Right. That was awesome. But one thing to point out about Samhain, it is not the same as uh, the Day of the Dead. No. It is not. They're very different times of the year, and they're celebrated by different cultures. cultures. Yes. So. So there you have it. The history of the witches and how we celebrate our lives throughout the year. Obsidia, Dimitri, and I hope that you have learned something about our craft today. And we hope that you join us next week as we continue our beginner witch series and delve into different paths that witches may take. For sure. And be sure to leave us your comments. We'd love to hear what you think about our show and topics you'd like us to cover. Since you love our show so much, be sure to like and share with all the witches you know. Let's go viral, people. And uh, we, we want to get this bigger than COVID, right? Yes, we want to be more viral than COVID. Let's do it. Share it with more than just witches you know. Share it with everyone you know. There's no wrong time to inform people about different religions. That's right. We'll be here next time on your favorite podcast plat- platform. Same best and race, same takeoff time. For now, hail and farewell. Hail Hail and and farewell. farewell. Join Desert Jen and Obsidia Musette Sage next time on Crones of the Wild Wasteland as we chronicle the ways of the witches. Care for yourselves and one another. Keep the strengths of the witches close to your heart and spirit. By the powers of the North, west, south, and east, we bid you hail and farewell.